0: Hello, I'm Pete Rabie, and you are listening to the Leadership Learns podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nikki Lyons, Chief Corporate Affairs and Sustainability Officer of Vodafone UK. Nikki joined Vodafone in October 2021, having had previous senior roles with other household names, including Walgreen Boots Alliance, Unilever, and PepsiCo. Nikki, it's been great to speak with you today. I've been looking forward to the conversation. Let's ask a really nice, easy kickoff question, I guess what would you say the key components of a successful communication strategy are?
1: Hi, Peter. Um, thank you so much for inviting me on. It's really lovely to be here. Goodness, I think that there's no one, there's no one thing. It's not about a checklist. Being a good leader, obviously, is a skill set that I've learned along the way. Well, I'd like to think I learned along the way. But being successful in, in the corporate affairs space is really a combination of different things. I would say it's about bringing the outside in. So being adept at knowing what's going on in the world around you, what is relevant to your organization, um, filtering out some of the noise, and also being good at reflecting on the impact of, of what you're hearing in the outside world. So we have lots of conversations in Vodafone where we talk as if the issue that we're discussing is the absolutely most important thing that the rest of the UK are discussing as well, and it's my job to remind my um, my leadership team and then the peer group, the um, the board that I sit on, as well that actually you know maybe in the middle of a cost of living crisis the the price of your mobile phone is is not the biggest issue in mind it might feel that way when we're being criticized for putting up prices or or not being clear on on why we've put up prices and that's something we absolutely need to to fix but recognizing that when people are worried about energy costs about food costs about their mortgages that we should apply some perspective to our role in society and that that has always been the most important part of the job for me you know doing a great job internally when you're in a role that is externally facing is bringing the outside in and then obviously taking your business's messaging refining it and then delivering it in the outside world as well but it's the balance between those two things that makes I think the difference between success and and not quite as much
0: success perhaps what would you say the biggest dangers are of not getting that right
1: well obviously if you're not landing your message externally there are massive risks attached to that but i think being brave in that space and and applying some some trial and error is important you know you can't know how your message will be received externally unless you Unless you try, unless you put messages out there, so you know my my view is always being risk averse doesn't help you. You create a vacuum and then other people fill it for you, so you have to be out there delivering your messages, having the conversations um but again, one of the things that that has really guided me um successfully in my career, I think is building relationships with stakeholders, so recognizing that. You know, if you throw a message out there, it's like delivering a you know, piece of meat to a pack of wolves. If you don't have that relationship already with journalists, with politicians, with other organizations, if you're not positively viewed before you deliver a difficult message, it becomes much harder. So having that, having those relationships, maintaining those relationships, and then being brave in recognizing that if you say nothing, that can actually often be worse than saying something and it, it not going down as well as you'd hoped.
0: You've got a particularly impressive background, Nikki, when it comes to some of the mega global beasts that you've worked for from, of course, Vodafone, PepsiCo, Unilever, Walgreen let's talk about the things that from a corporate affairs perspective that you've learned and it doesn't have to be any specifics given but of where corporate affairs is done well and the things you've learned from all those experiences where ah it cannot be maybe done as well as it as it should have been
1: yeah i think i think it is about we did well, early on in pepsico we did a piece of work which we which we jokingly referred to as 6 degrees of separation which was really recognising the external environment as an ecosystem and the interrelationships between the different audiences that you're talking to. And I think just doing that piece of work was a a massive eye-opener, but actually the idea of it, always knowing that – when you're talking to a journalist, they may or may not have been lobbied beforehand by one of, I don't know, consumer group, for example, or that consumer group will have read a particularly scathing review of your products in various publications, or that there is a, a politician who um, has a background in the area that you're you're trying to talk to them about. But the interrelationships between those, those different stakeholders and, and how you're talked about is actually far more important than what you say yourself. And I think once you realize that, that as a guiding principle has been massively useful because it then slightly changes the way you, you engage with the outside world and the way you advise the people that you work for internally. So, you know, the, Part of the job in corporate affairs is being the trusted advisor to the board, being the kind of the person the CEO leans on to talk about their external profile or, or perhaps criticism that you're getting externally. And if you understand the ecosystem that you're throwing them into when you're suggesting that they do an interview um and you know how that interview will be received by the various people reading it because you know those people and you know how they feel about you as a company then actually you're already in much safer territory and that's the job really to to make the territory as safe as possible for for yourself for your ceo for your organization
0: I've read a, an exceptional book a few months ago called CEO Excellence that McKinsey Group had um, that had published, where they'd done a lot of study and interviews with some of the worlds, not just the biggest profit businesses, but CEOs that have made the biggest difference. And one of the the funner chapter on it was something, Nikki, that I'd love to get your take on from a corporate affairs and sustainability perspective, is in the percentage of time spent. We all only have a finite amount of time on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis. I'd love to get an insight into how your planning process goes on a quarter or a yearly basis, whatever the the relevant timescale is to ensure that your time is spent in the areas that are going to be most effective.
1: Wow, that's really interesting, Peter, really interesting. I I would say that like many of us there never seems to be quite enough hours <laughs> in the day that's really true. Yeah. so you know with the best will in the world I'm probably not a great example of kind of sticking to the plan all <laughs> I
0: don't think many people are Nikki that's yeah. for sure yeah no
1: I'm you know but I know I frustrate my team when I'm late for meetings and like we were talking about um uh you know just not anticipating how long it takes to to get from one room to the next I think that planning is crucial and it goes back to what i was saying about relationship building is actually having having time to to build relationships is hugely important both internally and externally and a lot of what i do is is talking so you know that making time for a coffee with a journalist. This year I'm going to all the party conferences. I'm sure that will be a lot of standing around and talking. Making time for that is crucial. So day to day, I, you know, I allow for flexibility and I I like to know what makes people tick, which means that you can't often say, you know, let's let's just allocate 30 minutes to this drink and then I'll move along. Perhaps you need to sit and talk and and really get to the heart of why they aren't buying your story, or don't like your product, or whatever. But I think in terms of annual planning, one of the brilliant things that that's happened actually with our new group CEO is that she's she has said, you know, in terms of kind of complexity of strategy, actually we we need to simplify. And then she set out three objectives for the organisation for all senior leaders. That what and one of them is actually Simplify. Um, So it's about it's about um, customers, growth, and simplicity. And that has just absolutely streamlined the planning process. It's helped my um, UK leadership team to really understand where where we put our resources, how we drive for success. It's created a leaner plan for our engagement in the outside world because. We're saying, you know, externally, we should be talking about everything we're doing all the time, how we're thinking about our customers pretty much every minute of every day. So we've we've streamlined um, as an organization from having kind of extensive plans into three clear areas of focus. And there's still a lot of work that goes on and, and then, you know, pages and pages of the plan for the year. But putting it under three headings has just helped us recognize that certain other areas are not worth the time spent. And these are the things that we put the majority of our attention against.
0: Nice. I'm, I'm glad a business as small as ours compared to Vodafone are doing something similar. And I, I, I'm a huge believer, Nikki, in simplicity and breaking it down to what other things, if nothing else we impact, what are the two or three things that we can do so um, so good to hear that we're uh, following <laughs> following some good examples there. I also love the point a couple of minutes ago. You know, we were talking about it before the recording began. I love being busy. I love working hard, and I'm quite a high energy individual. As I think, you know, a, a number of, of people are also. That can mean that sometimes it can be very easy to make that diary on a weekly basis chock a block with back to back meetings. Go 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 go. Now, if that's the case, especially if lots of those are internal. How well are you getting perspective from the outside world? How often are you giving yourself room to breathe? How often are you giving yourself the time for that additional lengthy conversation rather than being dragged from pillar to post? I really don't think you can do that effectively. So it sounds like is um from your from your role, but senior leadership is actually making sure that your diary isn't as it is so often easy to do and and, and carving that time out. Now, it's certainly, I would imagine, Nikki, your communication strategy and plan internally as well as externally has got to be something that you think an awful lot about you can have all the conversations but how much the internal team at Vodafone compared to that you know that the external position gets spoken to what those key touch points are I'm sure has been a well thought out continually revised plan as you've got more and more experience in these roles Maybe could you just give us a bit of insight of, of when you go into an organisation, how you go thinking about how you get that balance correct?
1: Yeah, I think I think the internal communication piece is, is hugely important. I think that I mean one of the things in my in my role actually at Unilever, which was a, a global role supporting the president of the food category, so a massive um, constituency of different people in different markets, and actually we put an enormous amount of attention on the internal piece with a real understanding that actually, if all of those people didn't understand the strategy, the plan, hadn't had the time to really get into the detail of of what was created and why, then actually executing it market by market in an aligned way would be impossible. So the, the conversation is as mu- is as important as the plan and the the product you can't have the 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 plan and the product without actually having a a back and forth with each and every market where everybody understands what it is that you're what it is that you're trying to achieve, and why, and the why then requires the the internal conversation. So Amanda Suri, who was the president of the food category at the time, made a lot of time in her calendar for conversations. Um, you know, big. Both big town halls, smaller niche conversations, visits to the markets, market tours where the leaders of of the um the different product teams took us to supermarkets and showed us the products on the shelves. We met customers. Um we went to I remember one trip to Mumbai where we went to people's houses and they showed us how we were how they were using the product, and we talked to them and then we talked to the team about whether the strategy that Amanda had created and that I was communicating to them was landing with their teams or was it actually conflicting with what they were seeing in the market. And then we refined the strategy accordingly. So I think seeing your internal um, your internal people as an audience and treating them in the same way as you would any other external audience is vital because without them, you can't really deliver. You're just kind of leading without anyone following.
0: Completely selfishly here, Nikki, and just knowing that there's a few businesses that will listen to this that are going through that growth journey. When should an organisation begin to think about corporate affairs as its as its own internal role within the business? Because of course, sub two hundred, sub three hundred, often like, this isn't going to be something that. Is priority or that can be afforded to have investment around. Um, it, it, this might be an unfair question because of the size of the businesses that you work with, Nikki, but I'm sure you've got uh, friends uh, in, in your network as well. I, is there a time that generally speaking, you think you see companies starting to think about this?
1: I think at the point where you're starting to think about the importance of your reputation in the outside world, that's really the shifting point. So I'm not sure it's about the size of the organization. It may be about the impact that you're having on the outside world. And I would also say it probably changes depending on how disruptive you're being to the market. So how much dust you're kicking up as you're running out there, that would then determine whether you you really need a kind of to put a professional lens on it, so to speak.
0: Now, awesome stuff, Nikki. That was, um, yeah, it was a, a completely different angle than I was thinking of. But naturally, as the uh, as the expert in the room between us, I, I, I'm glad that yeah that you, you you've set me straight in relation to that one, and and given given us a lot to think about. That's for sure. The the other thing I wanted to certainly touch upon was the fact that in the organizations that you've worked for, and you did mention something there about you know, the refocus of the new CEO at Vodafone to take things down to three three things and three things as the priorities. I've no doubt in the other organizations that you've been involved in that there's been great periods of change that have been ongoing in some of those organizations whilst you've been there. Let's talk about that from a you know, chief corporate affairs perspective. How do you ensure that change management is handled effectively because as we all know change done poorly wow that can really have a, a huge impact so I, i'd love to get your insight there
1: so yes i mean look transformation change management the evolution of a company strategy these are all things that are difficult times for an organization and difficult for on the employee base as well as potentially impactful on your external reputation as well i think the key to it is really preparation and build up. So, you know, surprise either internally or externally is, is always going to be met in a way that you that you can't predict. Whereas if you are testing your messages, if you are involving multiple people at multiple levels in testing the messages um, before you go out to a broader audience, then your chances of success are going to be much higher. So, if if it's an internal transformation and you want to bring people along with you, then actually having put, pulling people at different levels, different parts of the organization, with different mindsets into the discussion. So, you know, frontline representative who wouldn't necessarily be in that boardroom conversation is going to have a different perspective on change. And it's always, in my experience, it's always the little things that you think are almost insignificant that end up tripping you up. So, you know, stupid things like I don't know changing the menu in a cafeteria or deciding post covid that everyone should come back to the office and the office decor has changed and you've gone from I don't know pods and breakout areas to just big open plan desks it's the it's the the way people feel when they walk into the building and they see a change that they weren't anticipating causes a bigger problem than if you'd actually sent them regular photos as you were doing the the office redesign and prepared them for it and perhaps asked you know put out a survey what kind of what kind of seating would people prefer or you know a, do a competition around the color of the paint of the walls i mean all of those things seem very trivial mm-hmm. but actually it's about making people feel like they're part of the journey mm-hmm. so when you apply that same thing to a much bigger change you're getting the same result, which is people feel like they had a voice, they were Mm -hmm. part of the change as it was being created. You might not want to, you know, nobody wants to make big decisions by committee, but actually they might have input that you hadn't thought of because they have a perspective that you don't have. And it's remembering that that is the key, I think, to successful change management.
0: It's one of the hardest things for sure, in in being a business leader, where you go, what level? As you, I love the, I love the example of the paint on the walls because ultimately, you could spend your entire day asking everyone about everything. And the reality is, knowing where that line is drawn, and and probably by form of like employee surveys, of actually making sure that you know the stuff that people care the most about is going to be one of those things to make sure your, you know, your communications plan around change is handled effectively but it definitely sounds like one of those areas nikki where prevention is better than cure (laughs) (laughs) trying to get get stuff done can be one of the biggest dangers because it might seem small and innocuous to you but in other people's lives it really is a big thing so yeah an excellent insight thank you nikki one of the biggest talking points of the times as it should be is in relation to the sustainability side of the work that you do nikki and i'm sure lots of this is wrapped up in in your core role but i mean effectively corporate social responsibility sustainability is one of the hot topics and let's be honest when it's done badly it can look piecemeal it can look like oh, okay we've got a box to tick how do you go about making sure it isn't just a box you know a box to tick and how would you describe what successful incorporated sustainability strategy looks like
1: so I think that I've been doing this a long time in a lot of different in a lot of different companies some you know PepsiCo it was it was very much about the impact of production facilities. So, um, you know, water usage at Walker's Crisp Factory in in Leicester. It's a big conversation, took a lot of time and energy. And then in FMCG at PepsiCo and at Unilever, you know, the packaging, weight of packaging, production, waste, all of those things were very much at the core of the business. And then now in the uh, technology and telco sector—it's quite different because you're talking about much more expensive products. People buy a mobile phone probably once every couple of years. Um, so thinking about the the circular economy in in our business, in Vodafone's business, is very different. So so I think it's a complex area. There are multiple different routes to success in sustainability, but I think the the same principles apply, which is on the environmental side, we need to take care of our planet. We need to do whatever we possibly can as good corporate citizens to make sure that we have as little impact on the planet itself as possible. So for Vodafone, we're doing a lot of work around refurbished products. How do we persuade people to trade in their old device when purchasing a new one or perhaps even purchase a refurbished device and then with our technology so the you know the network itself big energy user um, how do we make sure that we have a principle again of re- recycling and reusing in the network when we swap out old technology is there a a place it can go. We've actually created this really cool kind of like mini Amazon marketplace um, where we can trade um, technology that's no longer applicable to the, the UK network, um, but might actually be usable in other markets and other parts of the world. So it's really thinking about how you apply innovative thinking into every part of your business, really understanding your your, your kind of end-to-end impact and then circularity as a as a business model and selling that piece to customers and that's one thing that i know unilever have been criticized recently for kind of overdoing it potentially but i think that the conversation that they created around helping you know not not leaving Sustainability is a responsibility just for business, but recognizing that consumers care about this stuff and will make purchasing decisions based on it, I think that's hugely important. When we're asking people to consider buying a refurbished product it's because we know there's a whole new generation out there who actually want to lessen their own personal impact on the environment, and they can do that very easily by buying you know a, a secondhand iPhone instead of a new one so how do we enable good behavior in ourselves and how do we enable good behavior in others and then lastly i think uh, is interesting i was reflecting this morning with a colleague on the um the new apple video i'm sure you've seen it everyone's talking about it and how you know they didn't mention esg and they only focused on the e and I think one of the things actually that I'm most proud of in Vodafone is that we have a really extensive social value program and we have a campaign and a commitment called Everyone Connected, which is our commitment to... Closing the digital divide, so recognizing that in the u k there are people who are excluded from digital experiences either because they don't have a good enough device or they don't have they can't afford data or they don't know how to use the technology they have or they live in a part of the country where they don't have access, all of those reasons are our responsibility to fix as well, so helping people. Across the digital divide whether it's learning digital skills or accessing data through our everyone connected program that for me is as much sustainability as our role in the circular economy
0: we had uh, before ronan who was an awesome guest the former ceo of o2 who, who came in the studio with me and we we talked crisis management now I'm not sure specifically within your career, Nikki, if there've been any <laughs> um, horrible crises that you've had to deal with in one place or the other. But it sure is an interesting subject, and and and, and naturally, I'd imagine that your role gets about as affected by a, a big old crisis as anyone within the business. It'll be fascinating to hear how, in your perspective, um good crisis management looks like. Um, you know, fr- fr- from your vantage point.
1: Wow. God, you make me dig up some painful memories. I mean, look, good. I think it's the same principle as every other day. It might not feel it at the time, but I think, you know, dialing back and recognizing that you already had a plan for whatever it is that's hitting you is probably the most important role that that somebody in in my position can play you know reminding everybody you know whether whether you put it in your crisis plan or you mapped it as part of an exercise it's unlikely i think that something ever strikes a, a business that is totally unanticipated so that plan and the planning process and the being really rigorous about what would we do who gets called first how does this work who makes the decision on the message what is what when does the message go out? Who does the message go out to? You know, a good a good crisis plan should already exist and be sitting on your virtual shelf, um, and then you just need to pull it out, dust it off, and and go.
0: For organisations looking to engage with governments, public affairs, NGOs, are, are there any specific challenges to be aware of, or any things that people should be? Uh, again, it, it sounds like so much of what you've said has been about the planning of where you want to be and and what steps you're going to take to be able to get there. Is there any different in in what you'd advise in relation to that, uh, those areas? So
1: much of reputation is based on, on relationships. So a level of openness and transparency in those relationships is always going to be the key to success. I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about people interacting with people. So I think that, one of the things that I've always tried to push against is this idea that I'm going to waste your time with a lunch or a dinner and just give you the corporate blurb. I, because, you know, ultimately the job is, is about translating your message into a way that's palatable to your audience. And that should apply whether it's a one-on-one engagement with a minister or speaking at an event in the House of Commons or going to a party conference or whatever your interaction is with that politician, you're there as a person. Of course you're representing your company, but if you can't make your messages resonate for the audience that you're speaking to, then why should they why should they buy them? Um, so I've always I've always tried to avoid kind of corporate speak. I think that the person I'm speaking speaking to deserves more than that. But then of course, a sensible approach that doesn't put your business in jeopardy is also vital. Otherwise you're no good whatsoever to the company you work for. So I, I think it's it's a balance between kind of common sense and and being human
0: talk about why to rise to the top of your industry, Nikki is exactly the most finest balancing act I've ever heard. Cause you say there is nothing more laborious than boring corporate talk. There's also that all important thing that we talk about alone in turning, especially doing what we do of placing people into organizations that it's a, it's a people business. You've got to be able to get on with another human. And this is why I love meeting people face to face because it's the whites of the eyes. It's the, it's the relationship that you, you forge, which is so unique, right? So, yeah, I think that was. I thought that, I think that was described brilliantly, Nikki, as, uh, as, uh, with all that experience under your belt as well. A couple of quick-fire questions to, to wrap up the conversation, and um, it's, it's been incredibly insightful. So, so, thanks again for coming on. I, I'd love to know. And again, I maybe ask it from a. Maybe you'll say, Pete. There's no way I'd read something like that, as some guests have come on and said actually. But have there been any books, podcasts, or movies that? That you'd recommend that you've taken some long lasting learns from on be it communication strategies or the business world Nikki, or do you stick to a good novel how's that been for you
1: oh wow i do read an awful lot i do read a lot on linkedin of you know who's who's kind of where and what are they doing i read paul polman's book recently um and i thought that was you know hugely insightful (laughs) i guess at the other end of the of the spectrum I was definitely early on in my career, slightly obsessed with The West Wing, and I took an awful wasn't. Lot. yeah. I took an awful lot from that in terms of CJ. What a class act!
0: Nice. So,
1: so yeah, you know, and and actually, it's it's funny because it goes to that kind of early on in my career. There weren't a lot of of women in these kind of roles, and and you know, and that desperate search for a role model, and there and there she was right in front of me, kind of doing everything I'd always dreamed of doing. So I think that's that's probably kind of early days of of inspiration. Uh, recently, yeah, definitely the last book I read. I'm gonna look at my bookshelf, Definitely the last the last book I read that I felt was really telling me something I didn't know was Paul Pullman's, book, which I was quite surprised about because I worked for him for a long time, and and you know I I thought thought I knew where his head was, but he he's really grown in in his view of the idea of corporate responsibility and what it actually means to be a corporation delivering delivering on your promise, whether it's to your employees or, or your customers or whoever else. I took a I took a lot away from that. I thought it was brilliant.
0: Awesome, yeah, I, I'd agree with you on C.J. Craig. I reckon I've watched West Wing probably an embarrassing amount of times, and uh, the rise that she has above Josh in the end and wins the day and gets that chief position, we we're all kind of rooting for her because there was a hot-headed <laughs> communications director, and there was a you know it was a public person, and she uh, she 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 handled herself wonderfully throughout, didn't she? I, I couldn't agree more. Makes you want to watch it again, actually, Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's been nothing that's been quite as good as that ever since. Is anyway, um, and final question, Nikki, that I'd love to ask. Um, if there be one learn from your career so far in relation to your your you know your your specialist field that you'd want our listeners to take away what would that be
1: oh goodness me i guess if i if i think about how i've kind of grown up in this sector and in in the various roles along the way i think that the best piece of advice that i was ever given was to be myself and that Authenticity is, is absolutely your most valuable commodity. Um, so, you know, you build a personal reputation based on what you do, but also who you are. And if you're not being yourself or you're not able to be yourself, and I know that's, you know, a challenge for some in the LGBT community, for example. But if you're not able to be authentic in your role, it's much harder to, to then grow. And and be better at what you do because you you know you have to maintain that that act. So I think it, it's definitely been an evolution for me. It was it was very hard early on. It got much easier, ironically, during COVID when people could literally see you know where you were from. Your kind of family pictures in the background or. or your, even your bookshelf I did <laughs> I, I remember early on in COVID when I was was sitting at my dining table with my bookshelf behind and every meeting started with oh you know you've got quite eclectic taste in books haven't you? um so I think I think you not know, being ashamed of who you are recognizing that that's part of what makes you good at what you do with all the kind of diverse aspects of yourself where you come from and what makes you who you are is what makes you good at your job. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't be hiding that from anybody.
0: What an epic way to finish, Nikki! I absolutely love that. It's, uh, it, it's it's very empowering, I feel that. So thank you very much for sharing. It's, it's a very tough question indeed, but uh, always one that creates some interesting responses, that's for sure. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and your leadership learns with us today. I'm sure that there'll be lots that will resonate with listeners. And like me, they'll definitely be taking away some valuable ideas. Thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please give a five-star rating and do share with others in your network. Nikki, thanks so much for coming on again. Thank you.